It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. As they walked along together, the guide asked the old gentleman if he knew one named Mr. Fearing, who came on pilgrimage out of the town of Stupidity. Yes, very well, he said. He was a man who had the root of the matter in him, but he was one of the most troublesome pilgrims I've ever met. Well, you did know him, and you've given a very accurate description of him. Knew him, exclaimed Honest. I was a companion of his. I was with him almost to the end. When he first began to think of what would come upon us hereafter, I was with him. Then Greatheart said, I was his guide from my master's house to the gate of the celestial city. Then you knew him to be a troublesome one, said Honest. I certainly did, replied Greatheart. But I could bear it very well, for men of my calling are often entrusted with the conduct of such as he. Well then, said Mr. Honest, please, let us hear a little about him and how he behaved himself under your leadership. And Greatheart began, while he was always afraid that he would come short of whatever he had a desire for, a desire to go to. He was frightened by everything he heard, and anybody, anybody who gave the least appearance of opposition. I hear he lay bellowing in the swamp of despondence for over a month altogether. And seeing several go over before him, neither did he dare venture on, even though many of them offered to lend him their hand. He said he would die if he did not get to the celestial city. And yet he was dejected at every difficulty and stumbled at every straw that anybody cast in his way. Well, continued Greatheart, after he had lain in the swamp of despondence a great while, as I've told you, one sunshine morning, he ventured on. I don't know how. And so he got out of the swamp. But after he was over, he would scarcely believe that he was no longer in the swamp. He's, he had, I think, a, a swamp of despondence in his mind. A swamp that he carried with him everywhere. Or else he could have never been as he was. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. We speak here of the journey, the pilgrimage, from the city of destruction or the city of stupidity to that celestial city. The way leads through the gate, the narrow gate. And then there are walls on both sides as the pilgrim walks the narrow way. But there are many bypaths that can be taken. Some appear to be shortcuts. But as we've learned, as we've shared Bunyan's pilgrim progress, that in fact there are no shortcuts. And that when you can't tell which path to take, you have to stop and look carefully at the road map. This is not 
just a jaunt to the countryside. This is a journey for eternity. This is a trip to heaven. Are you engaged in that journey toward heaven today? Or have you gotten off on a byway? Have you been snared some way? Or are your feet planted firmly on the narrow path and you're making progress as you proceed toward the celestial city? doesn't matter how many times you fall down. It only matters that when you get up, you're still facing toward the celestial city. You've seen the cross. You've seen Jesus. You've heard the call of the gospel in your heart. Are you bold in taking it by force, as Jesus described with John the Baptist? Or are you filled with fear and dread? Do you carry a swamp of despondency in your mind? What an awesome picture of the reality of many who call themselves Christians. This man, fear, wallowed forever in the swamp of despondence. He almost drowned there. I know some of you today are wallowing in the swamp of despond. You've given up. I still am under great conviction that many of you listening to this broadcast have given up this journey toward heaven because you're so discouraged or because you have found a comfortable place. This is a difficult issue for me because From the time I was a small child, there has been a deep, burning desire, a hunger in my heart to be with Jesus. Even as a child, I did not like the world. I still do not like the world. I don't like the games. I don't like the dishonesty. I don't like the violence. I don't like the lying and the cheating and the stealing. I don't like the broken relationships. I don't like being numbed out so that I have no sense of reality. All of this is a part of the world as the giant Grimm comes with his club and beats people over the head and knocks them unconscious. And so they travel through this life unconscious and unaware. Part of what God has done in my life, I can't explain it. It's simply his grace. He's caused a constant rising up in my heart of a cry for heaven. It's always been so. I praise God for this. I'll admit there have been times when I have tried to settle down into some kind of normalcy, but frankly, I've not ever been able to have what Americans would call a normal life. There has always been this call in my spirit driving me on, pushing me, calling me, making me uncomfortable until I began once more with all of my heart to seek after Jesus. Sometimes when I go on vacation, 
as I sometimes have been blessed to do. It seems almost as though the Spirit of God is not calling me any deeper. I recognize that that is simply His mercy in giving me a few moments of rest where I can simply be in His presence and I can rest. But quickly, pardon me, but quickly, that changes in my life. And there is once more that upwelling from my belly of this calling of the Spirit of the living God, saying, come deeper, come further. And it draws me down this road of the narrow path. It draws me toward heaven. It seems almost in my spirit to be irresistible. I'm shy using that word because it's been so misused. I'm asking that the Lord would do this same thing for you. I'm asking that in his mercy and in his grace, in his kindness, that it would be possible for you to have this same experience that you too could know Jesus. I'm going to take a quick break. I need to reset my computer. Um, And so I'm going to ask if Eric would just put some music on, and it'll be a real quick in and out. I'll be right back with you. Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them With nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And
is able to do this for us. What happened is my computer was not plugged in properly and it began to die. And I didn't want to lose this streaming video for those of you who are watching by internet. And you're welcome to go to nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And we're streaming live there. And the past programs are also available there as YouTube's. So you're welcome to check that resource out. Back to Pilgrim's Progress and this swamp of despondence in the mind. Some of you are carrying this swamp of despondence in your mind. You have a spirit of fear, a spirit that causes you to hesitate. In my life, I've had this fear, but I've had this greater calling of the Holy Spirit within my heart that won't let me back down, that won't let me back off, that just keeps calling me deeper and deeper into the things of the Spirit. He said, turn the television off, and so I turned it off and then finally moved it out to the garbage. Told me to turn this off and turn that off and don't read this and go here and wait before me. And each step, the place of abiding. So I go before the Lord and I wait on him. And he just keeps calling me deeper into the spirit. This swamp of despondence in the mind causes great pain and anguish in the spirit. It steals the peace and the joy of the Lord. So there's never victory. There's always self-condemnation, self-judgment. I've learned that often self-condemnation is just pride. We have to quickly let go of these things and lift our hands up to Jesus and begin to praise him. Greatheart continues. So he came up to the gate. You know what I mean, the one standing at the head of this way. And he also stood there a good while before he would venture to knock. And when the gate was opened, he would step back and give place to others and say he was not worthy. I have a dear friend that I love very much. He does this. The gate is open before him, but he will not step through. He'll weep. He'll cry out to the Lord. But he carries the swamp of despondency in his mind. So he won't step through that gate. He won't proceed to the cross. 
he thinks somehow he has to do it, that he has to do something. This whole Christian life is about learning that I can't do it, that Jesus Christ will do the work in my soul. Will I give up my pride and let Jesus do his wonderful work in my spirit and in my soul? Will I trust him to come into my spirit and do the surgery necessary to circumcise my heart that I could have a new heart? The issue is not, do I have the strength or the power to make myself right with God? The issue is, will I trust Jesus to make me right with the Father? When the gate was opened, he would step back and give place to others and say he was not worthy. Well, of course he wasn't worthy. None of us are worthy. Which of us has not sinned against God? Which of us have not grieved the Holy Spirit? None of us are worthy. But Jesus is worthy. He continues, even though he got to the gate before some, yet many of them went in before him. The poor man would stand there shaking and shrinking, I dare say, It would have brought pity to one's heart to have seen him. But nor would he go back. So he was stuck. Now, this tells me that John Bunyan, in writing this material, this allegory of the Christian walk, understood very well there are some men and women who want Jesus but they carry in their hearts the swamp of despondency. They carry in their hearts self-condemnation. But they're not going to go back to the world either. I have a great love in my heart for these dear ones. Men and women who are determined that they want Jesus but feel so guilty and so bad about themselves that they can't enter in, but they can't go back, and so they're stuck in limbo. It's part of what I was talking about yesterday. I believe some of you listening to this radio broadcast have quit, and you've said, I can't do it. I can't. I can't live my life without sin. I might as well just give up. And you have given up. But the truth is you still have a hunger in your heart for Jesus. That's a good thing. Because he loves you. He's kind. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. Abounding in forgiveness. This is the Jesus we serve. He goes on, at last, he took in his hand the hammer that hung on the gate and gave a small rap or two. Then one opened to him, but he he shrank back as before. He who opened the gate stepped out after him and said, You're trembling. What do you want? With that he fell to the ground. He who spoke to him 
wondered to see him so faint. So he said to him, Peace to you. Come in, for you are blessed. He then got up and went in, trembling. And when he was inside, he was ashamed to show his face. Well, after he'd been given a meal, treated with kindness, he was told to go on his way. He was also told that the path he should take lay straight ahead. So he went until he came to the interpreter's house. But he behaved here just as he had at the gate. So he did not master the interpreter's door. Greatheart said he lay there in the cold a long time before he finally ventured to call, and yet he would not go back. The nights were long and cold there. Near his heart, in his coat, he had a note of necessity for my master, a note to receive him and grant him the comfort of his house, and also to allow him an escort, a guard, because he himself was such a timid-hearted man. And yet, in spite of all that, he was afraid to call at the door, so he lay up and down thereabouts until the poor man he was almost starved to death. Yes, his dejection was so great that even though he saw several others gain admittance by knocking, he was still afraid to venture on. Are any of you in this place today? Are you afraid to venture further in this walk with Jesus? Now, I recognize that many of you listening to the radio broadcast are not afraid to venture further, but you're not venturing further. You're kind of fat and happy. You have a little bit of Jesus and you have a little bit of the world. You like your entertainment in the world. You like your friends in the world. You like your lust in the world. You like to work in the world, but you want to just cover your bases and have a little Jesus too. So you go to church and maybe you pay your tithes and offerings. As one man said to me when I asked how he was in Jesus, he said, oh, I'm fine, pastor. I know how to hang with Jesus. And I know how to hang with the world. I'm comfortable in either place. I fear many of you listening to this broadcast are in this place, comfortable to hang with Jesus and comfortable to hang with the world. The cry in my heart today is that God would make you uncomfortable in the world and that he would do in you what he's done in me to cause the Spirit to rise up and bubble over, calling you constantly, 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 constantly into a deeper walk with Jesus not a place where you can be comfortable with the world, but constantly convicting you when you lay back or when you hesitate, calling by the power of the blood of Jesus, calling, calling, calling you deeper into Jesus. But my real heart cry today is for those of you who've given up and yet you won't go back. You know there's nothing back there for you city of stupidity, city of destruction. There's nothing to go back to. And yet you're afraid to go forward. 
So some of you are going to go back and have your alcohol. Numb yourself out. You're going to go back to some drugs. You're going to go back to some lust and some playing around. You're going to go back to this or that to try to comfort your soul. But the Spirit of God's still calling you. What are you going to do? If that's your situation today, would you call? Would you call and share with others the struggle that you're engaged in? Now, always you know I make two invitations. One is for those of you who have the victory, who are going from strength to strength in Jesus. And then those of you who today aren't making much progress in Jesus. Maybe you carry the swamp of despond in your, in your mind or in your heart. Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. That number again, 877-534-0780. I'd like to hear from you. Where are you in this journey with Jesus? The reason I come to the radio day after day is to share the pilgrim's progress. But you're one of the pilgrims. I'd like you to share your progress. You have the swamp of despond in your mind. Have you been numbed out with the world, but still there's the call of the Spirit in your heart? Have you given up? But you know God is still calling you. Have you gone back to your happy place, quote, unquote, in the world? But you still know that Jesus is calling you. Eight seven seven five three four zero seven eight zero. This is your time. This is a time to be prayed with, to be counseled, to bear testimony. This is your time. So don't be shy. Just jump in there and call, and let's talk about the progress you're making. How far down this spiritual road you are. And is God calling you deeper? Is the Spirit of God moving in your heart? I suspect that there are some listening to the broadcast today who no longer feel the Spirit of God calling after you. And you're concerned about that. That's a very serious matter. Some of you have a great deal of intellectual knowledge about the gospel, about the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit is seemingly dead in your spirit. He's not calling you because you're so involved in the world and in the things of the world that you have blocked out his voice. Whatever the issue, call and let's talk about it together. Let's pray about it.
and a part of the cry of my heart is that men and women, boys and girls, would hear this message and it would stir their hearts and that we would begin to form community that there would be a place where people can talk and pray about the serious issues of the Christian journey. We need a place like that. For many of you, your church is not that kind of place, or you don't go to any church, and you really don't have a place where you can be honest, where you can talk about the real stuff. We can make this that kind of place. Again, that phone number is 877-534-0780. Greatheart said, He lay there in the cold a good while before he would venture to call and yet he would not go back. The nights were long and cold. Neither his heart, and near his heart in his coat, he had a note of necessity for my master, a note to receive him and grant him the comfort of his house, and to also allow him a stout and powerful guard because he was such a timid-hearted man. And yet in spite of all, of all that, he was afraid to call at the door. His dejection was so great that even though he saw several others gain admittance, he was still afraid to venture on. So finally I went out and pled with him to come in. But I dare say I had hard work to do. At last he came in, and I will say that my Lord approached and treated him most lovingly. There were only a a few good pieces of, of meat at the table, but some of it was laid upon his plate, and then he presented the note. And my Lord looked at it and and said his desire would be granted. So when he'd had quite a while to be there, he seemed to gather some strength, to gather his heart. He seemed to become a little bit more comfortable. For as you must know, my master is one of the one of those with very tender feelings, especially for those who are afraid. He treated him, therefore, in a way that would tend most to encourage him. Well, we had a look at the, of the things of the place, and he was ready to take his journey to go to the city of my Lord. And by the way, he saw the same things that Christian was shown. My Lord gave him a bottle of water and some pleasant things to eat. And so we sat forward and I went in in front of him. And as we walked, the man was one of few words. He would only sigh aloud. 
Where are you in this journey with Jesus? Hi, welcome. What would you like to share? Hello, Pastor. It's Carrie Lee. Hi, Carrie. I, uh, I I haven't given up. I uh, I listen to the program every day, but I wanted to share. I was a little reluctant to come on the air, but I, I want to share where I'm at just in case someone else is in the same place. It seems, uh, excuse me for speaking allegorically, but I guess that goes for the program. seems that I have a one foot in the swamp of despondency. Um, I, I don't believe the Lord's going to let me go. Uh, I don't want to let him go. Um, I do definitely feel an extremely deep call by the Spirit. Um, but I, I keep, I guess I haven't put on the full armor, and a lot of fiery, fiery darts are getting through to me, and uh, that swamp's definitely in my head. And I, I think that's where the battle is right now. Uh, I believe that Jesus has already had the victory, and I get to share in, in some of his glory and be a recipient of his victory. But um, there's a definite battle going on in my mind, and it's it's really affecting not only just my, my progress in my pilgrimage, but uh, also my daily life. Um, I have a a project that I'm a piecework project that I'm working on and <laughs> I keep running back and forth to my knees back to work back to my knees I know the most important place and I can be is on my knees I have an obligation uh, to work <laughs> I'm I'm in kind of a tough place pastor ray <laughs> Lee I pray for you by name every day and I'll continue doing that I, I, I know you're going to have the victory. Jesus did not call you to let you die on the journey. But I, I believe that with all of my heart. I, I really do. But I would, I would like to ask if you would be so bold, what is the battle that you're engaged in? Um, doubts about myself. I, I, don't, I, I don't doubt the Lord at all, and I... I it's it's in my faith that how just all the wonderful things that that God's doing for me. Um, it's a lack. I, I I think I'm just caught up in myself and not just focusing on Christ. And try, I think what it really boils down to is that I don't have full trust in Him because I am pretty confident that if I had full trust in the Lord. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a foot in that swamp. The swamp would be far behind me. Um, and it and it hurts me because I, I know the Spirit is, is just working so incredibly in my life. Um, I've shared with you some of the horrible night terrors I, I went through. Well, thanks to you, well, ultimately, thanks to the Lord, but with your prayers and prayers of others at the National Prayer Chapel, I'm not having those night terrors. So there, there's victory after victory. I, I'm still um, still smoking. I'm still caught up with that. But uh, I have, as far as returning to the world, I have no desire. I, I praise God that he, he's removed, like, like you were saying earlier, there's nothing there for me. Well, it's there, but it's not for me. Yes. I don't want it anymore, and I, I praise God 
then because I used to like to drink, I, I used to like to do a lot of those wicked things. And there, praise God, there is absolutely no desire there at all. Um, Lee, but, I'll stand with you that you will have the full victory. And you're right. The doubt is not about Jesus. The doubt rises up as Satan accuses us about ourselves. And I'm going to begin this next Sunday a series of messages on the Sabbath. The Lord just keeps calling me back to this topic. I was raised in a family where we kept the Seventh-day Sabbath uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist. And then when I discovered the gospel, I left that denomination. But I treasure what I learned about the Sabbath in terms of entering into the rest of God. And I urge you to go read uh, the third and fourth chapters of the book of Hebrews as it talks about a place of salvation that is yet for us, and it's described as a Sabbath rest. And I believe that the Sabbath that was given uh, in the creation story was literally a foretelling, a shadow of Jesus. And Lee, I'm praying that you will enter into Jesus and just begin to rest in him, that your own works will not ever bring you through. And you're right, just stay on your knees and keep crying out to him because Hebrews says that you have to strive to enter into that place of rest. It seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. We have to get past these self-doubts and self-hatreds and give those to Jesus. So I've known that you had not given up. I've known as I've prayed for you that, that the Spirit of God is deeply convicting your heart. And I'm just going to continue crying out for you. Thank you, Pastor. Let's pray together, Lee. Would you pray first? Yes, Lord. Heavenly Father, I, I, I thank you for your spirit, Lord. I thank you for the conviction you're bringing on me. I, uh, I thank you for Pastor Ray and other uh, brothers and sisters in the National Prayer Chapel that are praying for me. Lord, I, I hope in some way that um, that um, sharing my struggle that someone else would 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 that's experiencing the same problems would come to you, Lord, because um, we know that the answer is in you. I, I pray, Lord, that you would wipe these doubts from our minds, Lord, and give us victory over these doubts and. Help us to, to trust solely in you, Lord, and, and your word and your promises to us. Help us to yield 100% to you, Father, through your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Lee. I thank you for giving him the boldness to call, and I thank you that you are struggling in his spirit with him and that you are calling him into a new place and making of him a new creature. And Lord, I'm reminded as I listen to him pray of that passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy, 
where Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Lord, we've laid hands on Lee, and it was not a spirit of timidity that we prayed for him. Lord, it was a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. And I just ask now, Jesus, would you fan to flame in his heart this powerful Holy Spirit presence and give him the courage, Lord, to just reach out and trust you and put his faith in you. Lord, I know he can't do this alone, so I ask that you would gather around him men and women who would stand firm with him and lift him up before your throne. I thank you, Lord. I ask for your blessing and your, your blessing of courage on Lee's life today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you, Lee, for sharing. Thank you for praying for me, Pastor Greenlee. God willing, I'll see you Sunday. You're welcome, and I'll look for you. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. What is your testimony? And, and are you struggling as, as Lee is struggling? Do you have that swamp of despond in your mind? And you need, you need that change in your heart. God is willing to do this for you. He did not give us a spirit of timidity. He did not give us anything but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God has called us to a holy life, not to a life of struggle, not to a life of fear. He's called us to a life of holiness, of victory. So where are you in this journey? Have you given up? Have you been overcome with your fear and with your self-doubts? I want to read this for you. This is continuing with Pilgrim's Progress. When we arrived at the place where the three fellows were hanged. Greatheart continued, In doubt, he said, that hanging would likely be his end too. But he seemed glad when he saw the cross and the tomb. I confess that he desired to stay there a little and, and just look. And, it, and he seemed for a while a bit cheerier. And when he came to the hill of difficulty, he didn't stop at that. Nor did he much fear the lions, for you must know that his trouble was not about such things as these, 
His fear was about his final acceptance. I want to tell you today, you do not need to worry about your final acceptance with God if you're walking in the blood of Jesus Christ and you're walking clean before him. If your heart is going out after God, he'll wash you, he'll change you, he'll transform you. But it may take, as it is with Lee, quite some time of weeping and praying before the Lord before that final victory is gained. And when that victory is finally gained and you reach out by faith and take a hold of what Jesus has offered you, there will be such peace in your heart and such joy in your spirit. This is what I want for you. I want that holy life where you know that you will be accepted when you reach that celestial city. What a tragedy to make the journey to the celestial city only to be rejected at the gate and cast into hell. That will not be your fate if you have put your trust in Jesus and you have walked in this holy way with him and you have submitted your heart and your life to him. You've submitted your time and your energy, your money. You have given it unto Jesus. Then you will be accepted. Mr. Fearful's concern was not really about what the world would think. His concern was what Jesus would think. I have to tell you, I love him for being concerned about what Jesus would think. For it doesn't really matter what I think or what you think. It only matters what Jesus thinks. At the house, beautiful, I got him in before he was willing. I think, and also... When he was in, I made him acquainted with the young ladies who were of the place. But he was ashamed to enjoy their company. He desired to be mostly alone, and yet he always loved good talk and would often get behind the screen to hear us talk about Jesus and the celestial city. He also loved much to see old things and to ponder them in his mind. He told me afterward that he loved to be in the house, the last house we came to, where he could see those wonderful things of the past. But he was not bold enough to ask. When he went also from the house beautiful down the hill into the Valley of Humiliation, He went down as well as I ever saw a man do in my life, for he didn't care how little or how low he was as long as he could be happy at last. Yes, I think there was a kind of sympathy between that valley and him, for I never saw him better in all of his pilgrimage than when he was in that valley of humility. He would lie down there and embrace the ground and kiss the very flowers that grew in that valley. He would now be up every morning at the break of day, tracing out and walking here and there in the Valley of Humiliation. 
I hope you hear this. A man or woman, a man or woman who really wants Jesus will not have a difficulty with the valley of humiliation. It's a good thing to be humble before God. It's a good thing to be humble before our husband, our wives, our children. It's a good thing to be humble before our workmates, not filled with pride and self-promotion. A dear brother who does much of the production work for the web works for a government agency. And about a week or so ago, he was told of a position that was opening. He was invited to apply for it, I guess a little more than two weeks ago, and he applied for that position. And it was a position that would move him from a GS-11 to a GS-13, a very significant jump. I've never heard of this happening before. He applied for the position, and then he just let it go. He gave it to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, you know, I'm not going to push myself forward. His motto is, I go to work every day just to be a servant. He doesn't go there to be a master. He doesn't go there to be somebody. He goes there to be a humble servant. For him, his workplace is a valley of humiliation. He called me last night with the wonderful news that the Lord God of heaven had granted him that 13. So suddenly he's moved from an 11 to a 13. Do nothing that he has done. Do no self-promotion. Do no manipulation. It's simply something the Lord gave to him in order to increase the flow of resources in his life. He's going to work in the same place. He's going to be doing basically the same things. Except now he'll be at a 13 instead of an 11. Only God can do those kinds of things. So when we go into that valley of humiliation, where we're not pushing ourselves forward, but we're humbling our heart before God and before man, where we weep over our sin, where we give up being somebody. And we simply say, Jesus, you're the one I want. When we take that position, the swamp of despond leaves our heart. And we can be at peace. With hands lifted up, praising Jesus. Now I want to pray for you. Oh Lord, you've called me to this radio broadcast. I lift up each listener now, and I ask that conviction would grow in their hearts. For those who are afraid, I ask that you would give them courage and a spirit of boldness and love. For those who are bold without reason, I ask that you bring new conviction to their hearts. And to all of us, I ask for the gift of humility. 
Lord, I thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. We meet on Tuesday evenings at All Saints Anglican Church, 730. You're welcome to come. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.